at some point in your life, and you know the letter I'm talking about, the one that, the one that sets a table in your heart, inviting you to, to sit down with these words that you have received and know yourself beloved, know yourself at home, know yourself encountered by grace, a letter that brings you back to yourself. Someone you love dies, and you know how it goes. You get all these cards, sympathy cards, we call them, and you open each one to receive the grace coming from someone who thought enough of you in your fresh grief to stop by the card section at the drugstore or the grocery store and look for that card that spoke just the right word for you. You open these cards, you read them all expectantly, gratefully, expressions of love and care, and then you open one and something slips out. A handwritten letter. Someone, probably someone very dear to you, has written directly to you on the page, sentence after sentence. And you, through tears, are ministered to by these words. They give space to your grief and express a profound connection. And I bet you've never forgotten that particular letter. That letter. You know the letter. You work on the project. You pour your heart and your soul and hours and hours of your life into it. And then it is done. And after the handshakes and the congratulations, you go back to your office and you are completely depleted on the edge of burnout. And yet the next day you have to come back to work and you have to start on the next thing and you open your computer and there it is. The letter. Well, the email but it might as well be written on fine stationery. Your mentor, your, your colleague, your, your boss has written a long email to you thanking you for the work, thanking you for your unique gifts, the gifts you offered, reminding you why you do what you do and why you do it as well as you do it and you find yourself lifted, body and soul, by those grace-filled words. And I bet you've never forgotten that letter. You know the letter. You moved away to go to college. You left your home. You went far away. You were a freshman in a new place, and you knew no one. You get through orientation, you do all the cheesy games, you 
you start going to classes, you, you make some new friends, but at night, especially at night, you have this feeling in the pit of your stomach. You miss home. You miss its familiarity, its, its traditions and routines, but mostly you miss the sense of security it provided for you. Like all of this wasn't up to just you. That you had people to turn to who knew you to your bones, knew you. The next day you stop by the mailbox and there it is. The letter. On one side, words from your mom. On the other, words from your dad. And to sum them up, we love you. We are proud of you. We are here for you. You are not alone. That letter. And I bet you've never forgotten that letter. To Timothy, my beloved child, that's how his letter begins. And ours. And already you can sense that personal tenderness. Something Paul does not display to quite this extent in any of his other letters. Just listen. Again. I am thankful to God when I remember you constantly in my prayers. Night and day. Here is what we can glean from this letter. Paul was Timothy's mentor and teacher. Paul himself laid hands on Timothy and set him apart for the pastorate. And now Timothy is in charge of a group of churches. He is separated from his own family. And the weight of responsibility is heavy upon him. The last time he and Paul were together, Timothy shed tears. Probably because Paul was suffering in prison. There's perhaps more than just sadness going on for Timothy, though. Paul's words also seem to be addressed to a man whose faith is, is wavering. Who perhaps longs for the security of Paul's immediate presence and who is perplexed and perhaps even embarrassed by Paul's plight and what it might mean for the church. It has been so from the very beginning, even among the leaders of the early church, and certainly we know something of it today. We know most of the time, most of the time, we know that we have been given this great gift of faith. That it, it is indeed a good treasure. And that it is the key to life, abundant and true. And yet, life has a way of dimming that truth, dimming the light of faith. We easily lose sight in the busyness of our days, of that quiet voice within, that treasure that needs to be rekindled daily, sometimes hourly. 
If it can happen to Timothy in the first century, it can and most certainly does happen to us in the 21st. Someone uh, told me a while back that they were really upset that their family did not have the time to engage in a tradition that they had been doing since their children were quite young. They would end the day by sharing a way, one way they felt God, God's love, or saw Christ at work, or any one of a number of other ways that they could talk about their spiritual um, lives together. And then they would pray together. And in that prayer, in that prayer, uh, they would find a deep and abiding connection. And so she planned a family meeting. And the first time the family would be able to get together, she said, was going to be two weeks from the time she engaged them in that conversation. Two weeks before they would all be in the same house, under the same roof, at the same table, without homework, and other responsibilities looming over their heads. Two weeks. We long for, most of us, the kind of rich life of discipleship which promises abundant living. But for many of us, we feel there is just not enough time or mental or emotional space when the day is done. To do one more thing. And perhaps we don't notice that fire beginning to dim slowly until one day we look up and we feel a long way from home, our true home. And that's the moment right there. Notice what Paul does not do. He does not scold Timothy. He does not lay a guilt trip on him. He sets a table. I long to see you, he says. But it doesn't matter. With his words, he might as well be sitting right there at the table, breaking the bread, drinking the cup. He sets a table. And he invites others to join. I am reminded, he said, of your sincere faith. A faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and and in your mother Eunice. And he names them. And now I am sure lives in you. He doesn't say, get yourself together, Timothy. He doesn't say, you have heavy responsibilities. He doesn't say, you know, you're failing, Timothy. He just gives him that gentle reminder that he has all he needs. He has the grace of God, which has been there all along. He has deep faith connections within his family 
to remember and to cherish. Now he is sitting at the table, knowing himself beloved, knowing himself full of faith, and his grandmother and his mother are there, and Paul is there through these words. And then Paul says the most important thing in this letter. Rekindle the gift of God that is within you. It is already there in Timothy and in you and me. Already there. A gift. There is power there and love and self-discipline. All there. Already. Rekindle the gift. The work we are called to do here is to receive this grace given to us before the ages began. To know ourselves and our gifts to be enough as individuals and as a congregation. And to rise up, not ashamed of this gospel. Not seeing it as a weakness. Not seeing it as one more thing to do at the end of a long day. But the thing that makes the days have meaning and purpose and power. In the end, we each of us carry within ourselves this good treasure. This good news, God's grace. Paul tells us, invites us. Guard it, which is another way of saying, be good stewards of the gift you have been given. I can't tell you what that looks like precisely for you, but I can tell you this. Whenever you allow the space for Christ to set the table in your heart, in your home, in all the places you go, among all the people you encounter, whenever and however you rekindle the gift of grace within you and help others to see it as it is in them, it's like receiving a letter. That letter. The table is set. God's people have gathered. We have received our letter. Look within yourselves. God has given you the fire of faith. God has given you a good treasure to guard. You have everything you need. Look around. God has given us each other. We have everything we need. Rekindle the gift. Guard the treasure. Come and die. Amen.